Welcome to another episode of the Water Women Podcast, the podcast all things ocean. I'm your host, Jill. I'm joined today by Inka. Hi, Inka. How are you doing today? I'm good, thank you. Inka, how about you tell us a little bit about yourself and who you are? So my name is Inka Questwell and I'm a wildlife filmmaker and an underwater photographer. I have a background in marine biology and everything I do is kind of geared towards science communication. So you started out like studying marine biology and doing that and then later on found photography or is that something you always knew you wanted to do? It was kind of one of those things that kind of worked hand in hand together. I started off scuba diving when I was about 11 and my dad being a diver, he, he, I was his dive buddy and he was kind of, he wanted me to learn buoyancy better because he's an avid underwater photographer. And I found photography was such a brilliant way because it was almost a distraction, but you have to be really perfectly buoyant in the water to get a photo. So it really helped me to kind of master scuba diving. And it was part of kind of my love for marine biology grew more and more through photography. And I think um, when I was at university, it became a fantastic resource. So even while I was studying marine biology, I was always looking for ways that I could work my photography into my classes. And luckily, I had professors that were really open to science communication, and they allowed me to start figuring out slightly different approaches to things. So sometimes instead of handing in like a report on my lab work, I would hand in a video of my lab work. And they that were all open-minded. Awesome. That is so cool. So it was never really a question or like for you of finding this. It was more of a, you grew with this. Like this is something you've always done. That's so cool. Yeah, exactly. And I think as well, it makes you appreciate diving in such a different way. And I think it was the same as studying marine biology is I started off scuba diving and kind of looking at these ecosystems and being like, oh, this is such a beautiful environment. But then as I started to study marine biology, you start to actually understand what you're witnessing and going, oh, well, I know that if I'm in this part of the water column and the conditions like this, I'm likely to encounter this species and it's likely to be doing this. And I found that really interesting. It's the same with photography. I think it just makes me look at the underwater world so differently. So I love being able to combine all of those things. Yeah, I can imagine. So what are you doing now? Because you've graduated with your undergrad, correct? Yeah, so I finished my undergrad a while back now. God, I think it was about four years ago, which is terrifying when I think of it that way. Um, and then after after finishing my undergrad, I worked for a little while with an amazing organization called The Waterman Project and ran around the world shark tagging with them for a bit, which was a crazy, crazy time. And then went to Indonesia and settled there for a while, working as a dive instructor and teaching photography. And then I went to back to university to do a master's in wildlife filmmaking. That is so cool. Yeah. And I finished my, I finished my master's about, about a year. No, not even. Oh my God. What am I thinking? About three <laughs> months ago, technically. <laughs> it feels like it was ages ago because I, I started working before I'd graduated and I've already been on the project I'm working on now for a good like nine months. So, <laughs> so it feels like you've been done for a while. <laughs> yeah, it really does. But I haven't even technically graduated yet, I don't think. That's so funny. What's the project you're working on now? So I, unfortunately, I'm very limited in terms of what I can say, but <laughs> um, a big ocean series that will be going out on a big streaming platform. Oh, that's so, so exciting. That's what it might be. <laughs> we won't push. We'll just wait for it. 
so what your master's was on wildlife photography so what did that focus on like or uh, wildlife filmmaking photography was that all like on land and everything too or did you tend to focus more on marine so the wildlife filmmaking master's course is really interesting because what they do is um, they encourage people to apply to have a background in some kind of science. So in biology or in marine biology or zoology or even things like human geography. So you get this really interesting group of people, many of which have gone on around the world working on different research projects, all coming together because they want to now be able to take those skills and use them for science communication in the form of filmmaking. So it's a course that's ran in partnership with the BBC Natural History Unit. So you have this fantastic exposure to some of the world's best filmmakers. And I got to learn from some of the best underwater camera operators, giving you their top tips for filming the sequences and some of the most amazing impact producers who have done some incredible work when it comes to really educating the general public and creating movements through film and TV as well. So it was a really fantastic course in the sense that it just... It varied between so many different areas of filmmaking. Um, And the first six months of it is just that tuition side. And then after that, you have this chance to go and make your own film. So being uh, a complete water baby, I decided that it had to be an ocean film. And I spent the the rest of the year running around Jamaica and Palau and Yap and working with all different marine biologists to film this little, this little movie, which was a lot of fun. Oh, so um, why do you think underwater photography and filmmaking is important? And why do you think like people who aren't marine biologists or even interested in the ocean, why do you think they, it should be something that they care about? I think there's huge synergy between filmmaking and biology. And it's really interesting because if you're a marine biologist and you're just researching, you, ha- you have this amazing subject that you're researching And you're really passionate about your subject. But unfortunately, the way that science is often designed is that it's a very formal process of publishing that work. Mm -hmm. So you go through that very formal process of writing scientific papers, getting them approved, and then sharing them within the scientific community. But then even once they've been shared, they're still within these journals that have really high price tags to even get access to a lot of this work. So it just doesn't really reach the general public in a way that film can. And I think film is so interesting because it allows us to address those much bigger conservation issues. It allows us to educate people about the research that's going on. But more than that, it kind of grabs people's attention. And I think that for someone who maybe has no understanding prior to the underwater world, to how incredible these ecosystems and these species are, you get this little window of time where you can really show them this is what you're missing out. This is why you need to care. And then once you've really grabbed their attention, then start talking about these bigger conservation issues and the amazing research that's taking place to save them. Yeah, definitely. And to compare it to scientific literature, like even as someone who is in marine biology, like has an undergrad with marine biology, to sit down and read a paper to me just sometimes is like the very last thing I want to do where this media is so easily consumed. Like it's almost, you don't realize you're consuming it. Yeah, I can I can agree more. I mean, I think obviously the scientific papers are essential, and I wouldn't be able to oh, do what absolutely. I do without them. But um, but I do love the fact that I can I can take the scientific papers and they can make them relatable, and I can make them age appropriate for a whole range of audiences, and cut through the jargon, and know that I might actually be able to influence somebody from their own living room, and that's really exciting. 
That is super cool. So can you tell us about a couple of your projects that you've done in the past? Yeah, absolutely. So I'll tell you a little bit about the student project that I just finished. Yes, that yeah, one. So that was, that was a really interesting one because the master's is kind of, you're, given, you're told that you have to go away and make a 15-minute film. But there's no brief, there's no description. It's very much so up to you and what you want to do with that. And I probably jumped around about 100 different ideas before I finally settled. But what, I, what was really important to me is I wanted to showcase a much larger diversity of voices in science and in conservation. And I thought that was just a really interesting approach to things. And I also wanted to do something that was aimed at a much younger audience. So I decided it was going to be aimed at kind of teenagers to early 20s, because I find that's the age of girls I have reaching out to me often, looking for career advice and wanting to get involved in ocean conservation. And um, something that I wanted to talk about was shifting baselines, which I'm sure you come across all the time with your research. But um, I find it such an interesting topic and I wanted to try and convey that in a more relatable way. And with the oceans always being such a huge part of my life, but being very much so um, passed down to me from my dad because of his love of diving and him kind of getting me into it from those early ages. I've always noticed that there's this huge disconnect between us on our Mm. descriptions of the ocean due to the amount of human change. And kind of the stories that I would grow up with as a child that he'd tell me about and these dive sites that he used to send me photos back from when he'd be away on dive trips. I'd always dream of visiting one day. By the time I'd actually get to visit them, they're just not there anymore. They're not what they were. So that was kind of this concept that I worked throughout the film, but I wanted it to be hopeful as well. So I wanted to kind of show the power of MPAs. So I went out to Palau and Yap and worked with some fantastic conservationists who use much more traditional methods. And it was really interesting to kind of learn from them about their approach to protecting our oceans. And then I also went to Jamaica, which is where my mum's from, and worked with the Alligator Head Foundation, which is a fantastic organisation that um, they retrain the fishermen to to work on the coral reefs. And it's been a fantastic programme where it's like I was chatting to a guy who's a really, really young guy, fisherman for about seven or eight years, and then was basically just running out of fish. And because they were being fished out so heavily and then took on this role with the Alligator Head Foundation. And now he gets to, he's learned to scuba dive and he gets to plant poles and work as a dive master. And um, it was a, it was a really fun project to work on. Were you filming, like you would get different shots of like underwater things, but then also have like talking to people or have people explain it? Or what was the kind of flow that you went with with your film? It was a bit of a mix. I mean, I think that's one of the interesting things about when you try it. When you try and make a film the first time, you realize that I, there's a lot that you decide in the edit. <laughs> um, so I kind of shot it as if I, in multiple ways because I wasn't sure what was going to work best. And yeah. then the, end, the way that I decided to kind of make it was that it was this authored film. So it was very much so following my journey. So a lot of voiceover kind of about the things that have influenced me, the things that have inspired me, the, the way that I've seen things change but intercut with these local voices, very much just talking about their experiences of how things have changed. And the film was called My 25 Day Ocean Between Us, and that was because it was about how much the oceans have changed in just 25 years, which is how old I, I was at the time, I just turned 26, um, and about kind of this ocean between different generations. So it was really cool because it was kind of me talking about the things that I've seen change in my lifetime, but then going to like an islander in the middle of the Pacific and asking him, well, what have you seen change in, in the last 25 years? 
and same asking the same question to somebody on the coast of Jamaica what have you seen change in the last 25 years and what do you want to see in 25 years time and that was it was really interesting and really um it was yeah just to find out what people hope for the future some people being really positive others being really negative but just getting um getting an understanding of what what life is really like in the 21st century underwater yeah and that would give you a lot of different outlook too because um people are gonna think about things very differently and have different outlooks on it in different areas so it's really cool that you used all those different voices yeah absolutely and I think um it's it's so interesting the way that different people look at things and what their priorities are it's like there's one guy that I was speaking to who was a, a chief on the island and so so knowledgeable about our oceans and when I asked him what he wanted to see in 25 years, he was just like, well, I hope we're in, I hope we're in Mars. And I was just like, that's the last thing I expected you to tell me. Yeah, it's always, it's always interesting. Yeah, um, when you're filming things, what's the biggest takeaway you want people to have from your work? Like, what's one thing you really want to inspire in people? I think in any, any message that I'm sharing, whether it's through photography or through film, I want to make sure that I leave people not only feeling inspired, but really motivated and full of hope. And I think that's so important when we're talking about these conservation messages that can become quite depressing. Mm. It's making sure people leave those conversations actually feeling like there is still something they can do, something they can act on. Um, so I think that's really important is that you you leave your audience feeling inspired and understanding and educated, but more than that, motivated to do more. Absolutely. I think that's incredibly important. There's been... I've talked about it a couple times on this podcast previously, but that feeling of just like dread when you kind of talk about this, the future of the ocean, because you're like, well, nothing I'm doing is making that big of a difference, but I don't want to do nothing. And I just, it almost feels um, like there's no hope. So it's nice to be reminded, especially visually, that there is things you can do. And I think it, it's hard sometimes <laughs> with visuals because sometimes the situation can get to such a dire state where it's like filming in Jamaica, I was so desperate to have this positive outlook on things. And the reason that I wanted to focus around Jamaica was because of those family connections. But it was but trying to show the way things were was impossible because like trying to find that one bit of healthy reef, I, I did multiple dives and couldn't find it. And it's just so hard when you're when you're surrounded by so much that's dead and so much that's just degrading to try and to try and keep those hopeful elements coming through can be a real challenge but often it's the people themselves and it's that really it's that hope that you get from the biologists that you're working with from the locals and uh, when all of that comes together then it can be something that's really beautiful I love that um when you're in the water filming or when you're filming in general or doing any of your photography what's like a typical day in your life what are some things that are really important for you to remember kind of like your checklist like all that kind of stuff remember to sleep I think that's probably the one <laughs> <laughs> um, if I'm in the middle of a now that I'm working on proper productions I will absolutely be following schedules and be much much more organized but I think <laughs> it's a passion project it's so easy for all of that to go out the window. And I think if I get really into something, I find it impossible to, to sleep. <laughs> I'll literally, like, I remember, like, shooting in Jamaica, there were times where we were up at, I was up at dawn because I wanted to film a sunrise time lapse. 
I'd be diving all day. I'd be doing interviews all afternoon. And then that night, someone would tell me there might be a turtle nesting on the beach. And I'm like, yeah, of course I can sit up until 4 a.m. and try and film this turtle. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it can really, really vary. It's so important to rest, obviously, if you're diving every day. And I think often with um, if you're filming that you'll be doing long dives a lot of the time and long shallow dives as well, because you want the best of the light if possible. Yeah. So um, a lot of it is it takes a good hour to get kit ready sometimes. I think that's always one that is easily forgotten, making sure you've got all the spare batteries and that you've got all your O-rings secure. There's nothing worse than getting out onto a boat and realising that you've set up a full housing with a low battery. Um, yeah, that's not fun. Oh, I can imagine not. So it requires a lot of preparation. And I think that if you are planning on doing underwater filming and you've got a project that you're going, that if you've got a project laid out that you're hoping to achieve, then it's really good to have things like a shot list written out. So you know exactly what you need to get and to kind of organize those based on priority. I think as you as you'll know from doing underwater research, um, you run out of time underwater quite quickly. doesn't matter yeah. what you're working on, it always seems to fly by. And it's Absolutely. that thing that you're kind of, you're gifted with such a small window to actually observe this environment. And if you're filming, it's very, you get that exact same issue. So I always put a priority list of like, these are my need shots. These are my, would be nice to have. And these are my, this is a luxury if you have leftover time, which you never, ever will. <laughs> the dream shots that you're just hoping for. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So you must have seen some amazing things and what's your favorite? Like out of all the things you've seen, what moment kind of stands out to you out of all that? I had, oh, it's really hard. I had, (laughs) there was one dive that was just too surreal for it to be real. (laughs) And I think I must've been dreaming a little bit, except there's some really shaky GoPro footage of it. Cause I was, (laughs) I was, um, I was doing photography at the time. So I wasn't really focusing on video, but I had a GoPro strapped to the top of my camera that's just always recording. And I was basically on a, I was on a, a scalloped hammerhead tagging expedition in the Socorro Islands. And I was supposed to be, I dropped in on scuba diving to direct the freedivers that were above me to let them know where the sharks were and to help them identify. We needed basically a female that was a certain size to tag, which they were tagging freediving on one breath at 60 meters, which was just Everything about it was impossible. So the plan was that I would go down on scuba, find the right shark, use torches to signal back to the divers above me that I'd found it, and then point them to the correct shark, which just sounds like as, as ridiculous of a research technique as it could possibly be. Um, and just as we were kind of on this dive and I'm starting to search for the shark, I got engulfed by a pod of dolphins. And oh my I gosh. A whole pod of them surrounding me, and I had some of the free divers being like, "What are you doing? Focus! <laughs> like, you're on a job." But I was just completely surrounded by dolphins, and I, yeah, I, I was so distracted, lost track of everything I was supposed to be doing, and was just kind of one look, wandering around, in complete amazement. And then, um, just as the dolphins started to calm down, I thought I was going to get back to the task at hand. I had oceanic manta rays fly over my head, which is another huge distraction. And then eventually got to the end of this canyon and all these scalloped hammerheads ran past. And I remember coming up from that dive and just being like, yeah, I, that, that can't be real. But that doesn't happen. No, but there's some of those dives that you just have to like, even when you're supposed to be doing something else, when something like that happens, you just have to stop and like soak in the moment and just let yourself enjoy it. 
Oh, when, that's absolutely what I was doing and why everyone around me was going, come on, focus. <laughs> You're like, absolutely not. I'm focused on this right now. Like we can always find another shark. Right. Um, so in general, would you say that you had people that you looked up to when you were younger? You mentioned your dad earlier, so I assume he played a large role in this, but who were some of your role models or people that inspired you or that you aspired to be like? It's really hard. And I think it's funny, this question comes up a lot. And it's one I always struggle to answer, because I think there's a few people whose work has definitely influenced me. And it's people like uh, Dr. Andrea Marshall, who I think is fantastic, not only scientist, but science communicator. And I remember seeing her talk at a really young age and being blown away. And then there's people like Chris Tompkins, who I think is an incredible conservationist. And her stories as well have really inspired me. But a lot of those people I didn't find until much later in life. And I think it was kind of, I've, I'd always wanted to be a marine biologist. I'd always wanted to work in film and in ocean conservation. But in terms of there being a really strong role model that I was really aspiring to be, I'm not sure if there, there was one as much. And I think that's partly due to a lack of diverse role models in this industry. I think I couldn't place myself at a young age to kind of, to look up to anyone that makes sense absolutely so do you find it important for you now to advocate for that diversity and inclusivity so that you can be the face that people look for if a little girl wanted to be someone like you I think it's I think it is really important it's something um I mean in all the work that I do I do always try and do as much as I can in outreach if it's podcasts or it's articles or it's social media to put a face behind what I'm doing because I think it is really, really important that people see people of colour in these roles. And that is absolutely acting as a role model for younger people in the sense that you're just showing them that people like them do achieve these jobs. <laughs> like absolutely. that is an avenue. So I do, I do think it is really, really important. So I try to act as a role model as much as I can. Um, but I think it's one of those things where just me would never be enough. We need a lot more. Absolutely. And I, I hope that someone I'm doing will get will get a lot more people involved. And I get people almost every day reaching out saying, I want to be doing what you're doing. And it's like fantastic. Like, please do. <laughs> please, please do. If you had a young girl listening who wanted some advice on how to get to where you are or do what you do, or if you could talk to a younger version of yourself, what <laughs> is some advice you would give or what is something you'd tell them? Oh, I think if it's something that you're passionate about, you shouldn't let anyone ever tell you you can't do it. And I think Absolutely. that's so important, especially with sciences and especially if you kind of are always going to be the person that stands out in an industry that you don't necessarily fit into. It's so important that you don't give up on the things that you're passionate about. And I think I had so many people kind of along the way that always described marine biology as being that dream job that no one actually ever does that. And then when I took it that step further and was like, I don't actually want to be a marine biologist. I want to document marine biologists. It's even more of a, no, that's not a thing. You can't do that. Um, so I think just, yeah, if, if you're passionate enough about it and you care enough, then you absolutely have to go for it and, and reach out to people. I think that's the, the best advice I always give young people who reach out to me is that so much of it is about making those connections and putting a face to those names. And I think the marine biology, marine conservation industry 
is incredibly um, supportive when someone comes at them with that same passion and that same enthusiasm. And that's a pretty fantastic industry to be in in that sense because I think we have that shared passion for our oceans. We're all working towards that same goal. And it's it's always worth just picking up the phone or sending that email and saying, look, like, I would love to be where you are and get that advice and make those connections as early as you can. I love that advice, especially about reaching out because I think that that is fantastic advice and something that people should do more often because it's very intimidating to think about doing that. But if you reverse the roles, like I think about reaching out for my podcast now, the people I reach out to, I'm always so nervous to send this email. Like, hey, do you want to talk to me about what you do? <laughs> but people are always so excited to do it. And they're like, yeah, I'd love to share this. This is so important to me to share this. And I know that they'd be the same if it was someone reaching out saying, hey, like I'm curious myself about what you do. Yeah. So I just think it's important to be able to remember that these people want to talk about what they do and want to motivate other people to do it because we do need more than just what we have doing this. Absolutely. So just before we uh, head off, I always like to ask people what their favorite ocean animal is and kind of find that out about them. <laughs> uh, it's a hard question. A really hard question. <laughs> I think it's probably a great white shark. I love them. It's just they're so, I, I don't know, the thing about a great white is they're so majestic in their own way. <laughs> Very much so this like incredible beauty, but they demand respect. It's the only species that I've ever been in the water with where I'm very much so like, I don't know, they, they just, they have a presence that's different to anything else I've ever interacted with. And they look straight at you as well. <laughs> and you get that mixed feeling of like, oh, <laughs> you're big. <laughs> and then also pure admiration um yeah I absolutely love them where can people check out any of your work or follow along with you or check you out anywhere uh, I have a website which is www.incacrestwild.com and through my website I post videos as the latest updates on my film it's gonna be playing at a couple um film festivals over the next few months and then there's also links to all different articles and work that I've been doing and it will continue to be updated with all my latest work. And then also uh, for photography and things, then Instagram is always the best spot, which is just at Inca Questwell. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. It was amazing to have you on and to hear all about what you do and how you do it. Oh, thank you so much for inviting me. It's been great to, great to talk about all things ocean. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Water Women podcast. You can follow along with Water Women on all our social media platforms. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at The Water Women Podcast and on Twitter at Water Women Pod. You can also check out our website, waterwomenpodcast.ca, for some interactive activities and for a behind-the-scenes look at each podcast and the woman behind it. And until next week, stay salty. Mm-hmm.